Um, I think I want to handle things kind of a little bit differently today, you know, because I didn't want to kind of just come, uh, uh, come back here. And remember, we're coming back, but we're not going back. So the ground we've taken while we've been out of the room, we are keeping in Jesus' name. But I, yeah, I want to handle things a bit different because I think that to, to kind of just crash on like this four weeks didn't happen, a little bit weird, you know what I mean? I think it's good just to pause, have a little bit of a, a debrief and a, and, and a think. Um, and I, you know, I want to thank God. 45 people made decisions for Jesus where we were outside. And that's 45 people who don't even know this is their church. You know what I mean? They, 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 they found the Lord recommitted their life outside the room. And I'm excited about that. Uh, it created... Um, Created opportunities. Um, I don't, Deb, I haven't even warned you about this. Good job we go back a long way. Would you be up for sharing? Um, thanks, Joe. Just give me a mic. This is Deborah Purdom. Let's welcome her to the platform. I got a, I got a, a, a text message uh, from Debs, and she said, I just need to tell you this. So I thought, well, rather than just telling me, she could tell you. Go for it. Yeah, so um, just over a year ago, um, I had a knee injury. And I'm, I've, been, I've run for years, and um, I've always been you know, quite active. And I had this knee injury, and it actually had a massive impact on my life because running for me was where I went and got space with God. Mm. And where I used to run, um, I have to tell you story after story of what God has done for me on my, what I call my holy hill. So for me, I, I had this knee injury. I was running literally on the hill, and I fell, and I rang Matt, and I was sobbing, and I said, Matt, I can't run anymore. My knee's completely bust. And I'm, I was just distraught because it, was, it meant that this was an end for me of being up there. I mean, I once got found dancing on the hill <laughs> by the ranger who <laughs> was, stood, was stood there for ages, and I didn't realize. And I was dancing, and he turned around to me, and he went, you didn't know I was here, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, so it was massively significant to me. Anyway, so during a year, I've been trying to rest it. I've been, tr- I'm not good at going to doctors. So I've just been trying to rest it. I've been trying to change what I do with it, and I've been really conscious of it. But what I found was, if I was careful with it, I could live with it. I couldn't run on it, but I could walk on it. And so in my head, I was thinking, well, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not really injured in the sense that I can still live my life, so I'm just going to yeah. carry on. And, um, and then the, on Sunday, um, at the prayer just before the meeting, in fact, they said, if we can, can we all kneel? Now, kneeling is something I have not been able to do. Cannot kneel at all. And also, I, can't, <laughs> I can't bring my knee, couldn't bring my knee up at all to, to sleep because I used to sleep in like the, you know, the... Uh, scrunched up um, fetal position. I couldn't do that anymore. And so I got on my knees just before the five o'clock service and halfway through a few seconds, I was like, I can't do this. So I just stood up. And anyway, and then Malcolm spoke 
um, in the five o'clock and said that he had a prophetic word and he wanted to pray for people who'd particularly got an injury, a sport, uh, sports injury to their knee. And um, yeah, I got prayed for. I can't tell, I, I have to say, I didn't feel anything different at that point in time. But on the Monday, so I've been dancing. As you guys know, I like to dance. So I do dance on the stage, but then I suffer the next day. So I have pain in the night. I suffer the next day. I often take painkillers. And the Monday, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel fine. Okay, okay. Come on, Dad. Yeah, come on. So anyway, carried on. And then I went to get washing out the washing machine. And so I normally have to do this. Anyway, I got down on my knee. And then the next minute, I was like, oh my gosh. So then I went, whoa. Now I could never have done that. Like, I was just like, Matt, 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 Matt. And he's like, what? Look, look. He comes up, what are you doing? I was like, I'm on my knees. It's just like, so all week I've been doing new things that I can't do. And uh, yeah, it's just, abs- I'm going for a run probably this afternoon, but I'm actually not worried. I don't feel like this, the run is the thing because actually I know it's absolutely fine. I haven't had a twinge. I haven't had a single thing all week. Praise Jesus. Thanks, Dad. Awesome. And that's just one of many testimonies. I, someone came up to me to tell me that they've been suffering with palpitations. We pray for people's hearts. And uh, they'd never managed to get through a, a week without palpitations. And they'd had a week free of palpitations. So uh, we thank God that he's, um, he's doing something. And T, do you want to just come and share something that you shared with me as well so on a different line? Yes, so some of you may know this. So I worked four days at church, and I worked one day at Bluecoat School. And um, we were doing something called Believe Day, which we it's like my project for the year because I want work one day. And um, the idea is to help the year sevens understand what the school's about, which is believing in yourself, believing in others, and believing in God. And this time round, we don't usually do... I sometimes do a talk, and at the end, we don't usually do a response. But um, Nicola Freeman, who you may know, said last Sunday, oh, let's just do a response, and... I was like, yeah, let's go for it. And in the middle of the school hall on Thursday afternoon, I do this talk that I do and got to the end of it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do a response. And ask these year seven um, students to bow their heads, close their eyes. And if they want to um, find out more about Jesus and respond to him in that moment, it's like, you can just put your hand up. And I'm thinking, I don't know how it's going to go. And then hands just start going up all around this room. 11, 11 students respond at school to the gospel. Absolutely phenomenal. Just, yeah, amazing. God is so, God is so kind. Amazing. Thanks, Steve. You can take that for me. 11. 11 students, man. Come on, in school. I'm loving that. And I just wanted to show you, you know, God's on the move. God's doing some stuff amongst us. And it's coming in somewhat unexpected ways, but he's, he's answering our prayers. I thought, you know, having a bit of a reflect over, over some of the things that we've talked about over the last four weeks. The first week, we, we talked about the condition of our heart and about the, the church being like a heart. It's a receiving and ascending unit. And we, if you remember, we, we, we talked about God's heartbeat. We had that sound of the, the heartbeat in the meeting, his rhythm. God set his rhythm in us. And then we talked about with my whole heart. And uh, 
we looked at the, the contrast between David and Michael and uh, his wife and uh, about the place they were both living from their hearts. David danced before the Lord with all his heart, but Michael despised him in her heart. And one was left blessed and one was left barren. And uh, we had a, a bit of an exciting time in the spirit. We talked about the South African toy toy, you remember that? And the triumph of the spirit over oppression. And I felt, I feel there's a, a couple of things and I want to allude to something else in a little while. But about us as a community having our song awakened and, and about our dance awakened. And uh, I had this phrase, God wants to awaken our dance of defiance against the devil. And it's about awakening our spirit to, to rise up and, and, and overcome. God is, God is awakening something in us. And Lawrence, Lawrence talked about the pearl of great price, about pursuing God with everything and seeing that Jesus changes everything. We talked about a heart for the home. We talked about being planted in the house of God and flourishing and subduing our environment. Mama B talked about leaving that baggage behind and some bags aren't meant to pass through to the next part of the journey. And then we, we looked last week about taking courage. Mark, Mark spoke in the morning about jumping in and provoking each other to be courageous, about provoking others to greatness, about a daring culture. And then I spoke uh, in the evening about singing and sewing and the lifting of the great sadness. We even talked about Cinderella's shoe. If you, uh, if you weren't there, you need to maybe listen to that. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. If you were wondering if we we're weird, we're preaching from Cinderella now. So you just need to pray for us that God will do something. So we've talked, we talked about the health of our heart. We've talked about our passion and being planted. We've talked about the things we need to leave behind and the things that are to come with us. And we've talked about the things we need to put down and the things we need to stir up. Because the adventure was not meant just to be an end in itself. It was, it was there to, to stir something up and to point us as a community in a, a new direction. And, um, and the scripture that I want to speak from or speak to was decided long before we left uh, when we were planning on what we were speaking about over the next few weeks. And I don't think it will be too much of a shock. Isaiah 49 verse 20. The children born during your bereavement or exile will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. And you know, children, children say the strangest things, don't they? I remember... 
um, Aaron, my oldest boy, um, once said to, um, she, he asked, I think he was about four, he asked the lady um, if she had any other dresses because she only wore that one when. You know, it's like those moments as a parent when you're like, <laughs> you try and cover it up with a nervous laughter. I was trying to remember why it would be, but I think because it was back in the day, uh, some, of, some of you won't even know what I'm talking about, but the ladies used to wear like maternity smocks. And I seem to remember she was pregnant and she kind of wore the same these days, you show off your belly, but back in the day, you didn't show off your belly. You covered it up. And, uh, and I think it's because she'd worn this same maternity smock. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, one time, uh, Joseph, uh, we, had, uh, we had some people around um, who um, we didn't know so well. And uh, we had them around for a meal. And the, the, the back story to this is, that I'd, um, you know, sometimes your kids, well, they didn't me. They asked me, you know, what, had, you know, what had life been like before I'd gone to church and all that, you know. And um, and if they started asking questions, really, really awkward. You know, you don't want to. There's some questions you don't want to be answering. You know what I mean? And you don't want to be lying either. So you're caught in an awkward space. But. Uh, one of the questions they asked me was, um, had, I, had I ever been drunk? And, um, you know, yeah. Not recently, okay? <laughs> but yes, before I was a Christian, I had been drunk. So that was like Bethany and, and uh, Aaron asking those questions and, and Joe being just quiet. But when this, this family had come round... Joe, who never usually really spoke at all, went up to them and said, my dad's been drunk. <laughs> and I had no context. I had no context as why he would be saying this. And then it, it dawned upon me that he picked up, he gleaned something from this conversation. And then I tried to explain, and it all sounded hollow, and yeah, the evening didn't really go very well. But the thing I love about children is they are honest. I mean, it's not always helpful that they don't think before they speak, but they're just honest. It's just out there. And, and, and what I find fascinating about this is it's the children. It's the children who are speaking. And... What children say can be challenging, but it also can be incredibly refreshing because they've not learned to package things in a comfortable way. I was thinking about that story. It's, um, for those of you who were in last week's, I'm not starting a new theme now from speaking from fairy tales and fables, but I, I did think about the emperor's new clothes. You know that story of the emperor and the, the, they, those weavers who deceive the king and, and, and made you think that, you know, if you were only, only stupid people wouldn't be able to see the beauty of your uh, outfit. Um, and I just remembered it was a child who recognized 
what everyone had been trying not to think. Um, and I thought about that. I thought about the fact that the child exposed the fact that everyone was being defined by their fears. What I mean by that was that, that what, what sustained the story was that no one wanted to come across as stupid. No one wanted to seem stupid, so everyone sustained the lie. And therefore, we had a culture that was de defined by people's fears until somebody spoke up. He also exposed the fact that we have the capacity to convince ourselves that something is amazing when it isn't. I was thinking about, there was uh, the author, Tommy Tenney, wrote this book called The God Chasers. Anyone remember that? And, um, but it, was in, it wasn't in that book, actually. It was in another one, another one that he wrote at the time, which I can't remember the title of. But he talked about this. He talked about Christians dancing around crumbs and calling it a feast. Uh, and that phrase really stuck with me. And I'll tell you why. It's because it was true then and it's true now. We live in a world that yearns, longs for authenticity. They're looking for the real deal. And, you know, I think we've... I mean, this year has been quite remarkable when you think about how people have voted in this country and how people have voted in the United States. And it doesn't really matter whether you like the results or not because the truth is we're a democracy and that's what voting is about. I find myself, I find myself worryingly intrigued that suddenly I, I don't mind voting as long as it goes the way I want. It's like, but we vote because we are submitting to a democratic process. Uh, and we've seen a worrying trend where people have been rising up against a, a de democratic decision. But that's a conversation for another day. But what I'm saying is that people, that, that what I believe is incredibly unsettling out there is a phenomenal opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ because people are looking for authenticity. And what we have is authentic. Now, I'm not saying that we always present it as authentically as we should, but who we serve and who we follow is utterly authentic. And Isaiah points our attention to a generation born during a difficult time that says we need more space. We need more space. And I was, I was thinking about the fact that the fact that the, the need for more space is, is required means that God is on the move. God is doing something. The, the fact that, that that pressure comes, the, the, the upward pressure comes it is a blessing. It is a blessing. Um, and give us more space to live in as a generation rising up, requiring action. They are speaking. They, they are speaking to those who have the power to do something. 
They are saying, we need something different. We, we need something to happen here. You give us more space. You give us something. The action that is required means that we've got to stop being defined by our fears. We, we, we have got to be stopped, we've got to stop being defined by what might go wrong and start being defined by what might go right by faith. And I think that, you see, at one sense I can understand it seems like in such a serious time, it's such a serious time, it seems particularly ridiculous to think about sing, learning to sing again. And, and when I talk about learning to sing, it's not just about the songs that we sing. Anyone can sing songs. It's about the place that we're singing from. It's about why we sing. It's about what the singing produces. Uh, there are natural benefits to singing, but there are immense spiritual benefits that are released in our praise. And I believe that God is looking for a community of people who know how to touch heaven with their praise. I, I, and I, listen, I believe that over the last few weeks, something has happened in us again. Something has been stirred up in us again, which has been very, very exciting. We talked last week about people who had hung up their harps, sorry, harps. They had hung up their harps because they had made the decision that they couldn't sing during the season. But there came a time where you have to go and get your harp because it's time to sing again. It's time to lift up your voice. It's time to, it's time to raise your voice again because something happens when we sing. It's, it's, about, a, it's about finding God in, 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 in a new way. And that being released. Some of us need to get our harps and we need to learn to sing again. And some of us, we need to learn to sow again. It's about singing and sowing. These things, singing and sowing, speak about a culture of hope. I believe that God is wanting to arouse a culture of hope amongst us. One of the things that, you know, we're just talking today. Is that all right? I, I'm just tired of always talking about the possibilities of stuff. That's why I wanted to share those things, because God's on the move. God's doing things, and we, and we need to see it more. I mean, there are loads more stories, thankfully. Thank God. There are, we've got loads more stories we could share of what's happened over the last few weeks. But, you know, I, I think that there's something good that rises up in us and say, let's, let's stop dancing around the crumbs and calling it a feast. Let's call it crumbs. And belief for a feast. Let's just say what it is. 
You know, call it what it is and believe God, press into God and believe for something more. And I think that's, that's about singing. It's about sowing. I've written down this phrase here. It's about getting beyond duty to delight. You know, one of the things that I've been so excited about, and I've loved, I've loved what we have been as a community over the last few weeks. Honestly, I, I think that, you know, it showed, us, it showed us much more who we are over the last few weeks. But it's about getting beyond duty to delight. I've loved the fact, the heart, the service, the sacrifice that people have, have shown us, and we... You know, we, we, we need to know that we, ste- we literally stepped up another level. People um, just going, not the extra mile, the extra several miles. You know, the, it, it's, um, it's, it's been incredible. And, and it, it was an arena in which serving got beyond being a duty and it became a delight. There was, there was something about being part of that team, being part of that community, working together, believing together, sacrificing together. It was powerful. And I think that, you know, I want to, as much as I want to say that we need to learn to, to sing again, I need, we need to learn to sow again. I want to say as a, as a community, we've, we're a giving community. There are some incredibly, incredibly generous people in this community. Absolutely amazing. That God is God is wanting to challenge us again to to get beyond duty in our giving and find delight again <clears throat> to sow again to find the joy of sowing into something that God is doing. You know, I believe. You know, we've we've proved it over the years. We've seen it over and over and over again. And let me tell you. We've, we've known seasons of extreme need and, and lack. But those seasons are few and far between compared to the seasons of abundance and provision that God has poured into our lives as we served Him. And, you know, we, the reality is if we're going to dream some big dreams, then... We're going to need some money to do it with. And, and I believe that God, God wants us to find the joy of sowing again and, and trusting God again. One of the things that we have consist, I mean, like always done, since finding the joy of tithing and, and bringing offerings, and we have done it. Come hell or high water, we've done it in times of abundance, we've done it in times of lack, just to see what God has done in us and for us as a family, we have proved it. These, these are principles. Now, hey, you may be on your own personal journey of giving, but I've got a responsibility, we've got a responsibility to keep pointing you to God's highest and best. Why? Because God wants to bless you. You know, I was thinking, this is a ridiculous thing, I know, but we went through a, a season back in South Africa where I was teaching some of this stuff again. And uh, we, we had many people, not a few people, we had many people in our church who 
were living in poverty that none of you, and I mean this seriously, none of you know anything about. No one here, no one in this country uh, knows the kind of poverty that they were living in, and they came to our church, many. And teaching the principles of, 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 of tithing, and, and you know, that, that could be, it's like, it's one level in a community like this. It's quite another when you're dealing with very, very poor people who quite literally are having challenges in making ends meet. But I remember one woman coming back um, uh, to, she wanted to, to share a testimony. And uh, it, was, it was just absolutely awesome. So we talked about, uh, through tithing God, rebuking the devourer. You know, you know most in this service know that teaching. And um, so we'd been teaching about tithing, and she'd made a decision with her little bit. She was a, she was a maid, uh, so she had a, 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 like, not minimum wage as you know it. Uh, she was on 100 rand a day, which is about five pounds now. So, uh, you know, it was, we're not talking a lot of money. Uh, but she said, I want to I wanna give to God. I want to I wanna trust God. And so she started doing it over a few weeks. And then, and she lived in a she lived in a shack in a township. And um, and uh, anyway, one day I went to see her because she'd been robbed. And uh, they'd taken and 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 she, I mean, she didn't have much, but she did have a TV. She had a little portable TV with an aerial, and she'd saved hard for this little TV. And uh, you know, she'd got nothing. Uh, she got this little bed and this TV. And that was it. And, um, and, and so I went to see her just to, you know, to encourage her. And uh, I took her some bits of bobs of food and things like that. Anyway, she came back the following Sunday and said, so excited. And the long and the short of it is that the thief had found out she was a Christian and brought back the TV. <laughs> because he was afraid. He didn't want the wrath of God. On his life, and he brought uh, only in Africa, you know, but <laughs> that he brought back the TV and dropped it off outside. And, and, and she heard in the community that this, but she was like overwhelmed that God had rebuked the devourer, that she had done, she had done her part, and God had caused her to be blessed in that way. And 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 and, and you know, loads of stories like that. But we, we teach this because you know, this. This isn't, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I can struggle sometimes when we talk about giving from the point of view that, you know, the church has got a lot of needs and we want to do this and we want to do that. Call me old-fashioned and I'm not, it's not about that. We give to God. We give to God and we give to God and that produces something in me and in my life. Now, the fact that other stuff happens with it is another story. But as you know, it's, it's not about that. It's not about resourcing what we want to do per se. It's the fact that when you give, God blesses you and blesses your life. And I, I believe that God wants to rekindle the gift of generosity in some people. There are some people, the, the, the book of Romans talks about the gift of giving, the gift of impartation. 
God wants to stir up the gift of generosity in us again. People who are believing to be a, a resource. People who are believing to resource the kingdom of God and just want to create space by giving. See, KMC held up a mirror and showed us who we are, showed us what, what we've already become. We just stepped up. We just stepped into what we'd already become. But I also think that KMC gave us a glimpse of what we can be. It gave us a glimpse of the possibilities of the future. And I think that's invaluable. I think that, that the fact that, that, that God has done that for us, it's exciting. I mean, I love the fact we got together. I love the fact we had family reunion. We had our family reunion last Friday. I love that. I love the fact that we got to be all together. I, I, I think it, it did something in me when we met together in the morning. And you thought, wow, this is our church. This, this is us. I mean, that, it wasn't, you know, that, that, was, that is us. But it's not an us that we've got a perspective of because of the way we have to do things in this room. And looking at it, you know, space isn't just about room. Give us more space to live in. If you look in the original language, it's saying give us, provide us with a place to stand. It's not just about space, about creating a bigger room. It's about giving us a place to stand. So that generation was rising up and saying, give us a place to stand. Give us a place to arise, raise up, establish, perform, accomplish. All those are words associated with that word space. Give us a place to stand. And I was reflecting about, upon the talent that we've seen. That was already here. We didn't ship it in. It's already here, but we created a platform for that to operate to us. And so essentially, the, the children, that, that generation growing up was saying, give us something worth stepping up for. Give us something to aspire to be. The cry comes from within. There's a cry that rises up from within us. We talk about a cry that is people who are lost and far from God. And sure, that is something we need to hear. But there is a people, there is, sorry, there is a cry coming up from within this people. There's a cry that's saying, give us a place to stand. Give us more space to live in. Because if we don't, we will hinder what God is seeking to do. Help us to stop being defined by our fears and defined by our faith. You know, KMC provided us quite literally with an opportunity to build a platform. And some people know, and I, I thought, you know, the interesting thing about the physical building of that platform and, and, and just to, you know, the, the setup of KMC Required hours upon hours upon hours. I mean, I'm talking about two, three o'clock in the morning, getting there on Sunday morning. I'm talking about getting there on the Saturday. It took hours to set off. It wasn't there waiting for us. If it happened, we did it. And there was a physical platform that had to be built through sacrifice and hard work and literal sweat. And I was just thinking about there's something prophetic about that. 
There was something prophetic that in order to create a platform, now, don't get me wrong, for those people who think now, oh, you know, Malcolm's just saying that we just now, we just need, everything's about the platform. No, I'm not saying everything's about the platform. There's a platform on the Sunday. There's a platform that we operate from as a community. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was, it's just a metaphor to say that we've got to create a bigger environment for those who are coming through. And that generation, that new generation, isn't just young people. The new generation is a generation of people who are finding Christ for the first time. Destiny is pulling us out of the small place we've occupied. You know, in the book of Joel, it says, God says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. What I love about that is that that God did not say you're not weak. He, he never challenged them and said, no, 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 don't say that, you're not weak. He said, he acknowledged, yeah, you're weak, but declare you're strong. Declare your strength. Because we, we, we need to say some things beyond what we see. And... and, and the part of our singing and the part of our confession is, I tell you, it is really important. What we sing and what we say and what we sow in this season, could I fit any more S's in there? It is really, really important. We've got to speak beyond our circumstances. On This week, we, 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 uh, in our prayer meeting, we laid hands on these walls and we thank God. We thank God for the faith and the sacrifice and the prayers that would built these walls. And then we came back and we laid hands on them again and, and commanded them not to restrict us anymore. Not to hold us back and not to hem us in anymore. We've got to see past them, see beyond our situation. And I was thinking about the fact that I believe that God wants us to See in a different way. I was thinking about that scripture in 2 Kings 6, where, it's be familiar to some, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more, more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I believe that God wants to open our eyes. Because there are two ways of seeing. We can look at the hills and we can see an army with horses and chariots that are, are looking to do us harm, looking to come against us. Or we can have God open our eyes and see God's horses and God's chariots. There's something that He is doing. Now, they didn't just appear. The man of God saw those because he had eyes to see. And he prayed that 
the servant would see. And I believe that God wants to open our eyes to see some things that are already there. I'm not talking about us praying, oh God, come and do it, Lord. Lord, we, we, we. I, I'm saying, let us just acknowledge what God is already doing. Let's open our eyes. Let's have our eyes open, rather, to what God has already done. God has already moved. God has already provided. God has already opened up doors. God has already gone before us. God is already making a way. Now, yes, I want to believe for the good and the great and the new, but I need us to understand that some of us need to first recognize what God has already, what God has already done. And I want to say, there's more with us than are against us. And there's something going on in us. We, it's beyond us. It's beyond these walls. It's beyond this city. It's beyond us. And we might say to ourselves, well, I don't know that that's me. Well, it's not. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about what God is going to do through us. And I just believe that God wants to, to take the blindness of our eyes and enable us to see something great and something wonderful. The requirement of space is not just for those who are already here. The requirement of space is for those who are yet to come. We can't just have something that is for us here and now. We've got to have something that for those that is to come. Because I know this. God may want to open our eyes to those who are with us and not against us. But God definitely wants to open our eyes to the lost who need to find Jesus Christ. And we are the answer. We are part of the answer in this city. We, are, we, the, we the, are the answer to somebody. We're the answer to somebody's situation. We're the answer to somebody's issue. And God is seeking to open our eyes and get us to understand that there's something beyond that we are presently seeing that He's looking to do. And it's already there. It's already there. God has gone before us and He's made a way. I want you to know right now, with those words, I am prophesying. God has gone ahead of us and he has made a way. And the manifestation of that is yet to be seen. But he has gone ahead of us and he has made a way. And we're going to see it. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. I'm telling you, we're going to see it. You are going to see it. Stick around. Keep your eyes open. Because you're going to see it with your own eyes. The, the days of just believing are not upon us. The days of seeing what God has done. And then as God delivers that, there's going to be more and there's going to be greater. And there's going to be something even more wonderful. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are awakening something in us as a community. Father, we thank you, Lord God. That you are opening doors that have not been opened. You're opening streams of provision, streams of creativity. We thank you, Father, that you have a plan to exceed our expectations. We honor you and praise you for that. Father, we thank you that you have many people in this city. 
We long to see your kingdom come. We long to see your will be done. Father, we are trusting, oh God, that you are going to create, Lord God. Help us create a bigger space. Our responsibility, oh God, is to pray, to call upon you and, and, and to trust in simple obedience. Do what you ask us to do. And we believe that you're going to open up a way for us. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.